0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblower's Daily Podcast. Look for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair, and Erling Haaland has just scored his first hat-trick for Manchester City, and that proved to be the springboard for an outstanding second-half comeback against Crystal Palace at the weekend. To discuss that and much more, I've got a hat-trick of guests. Welcome to David Blakeney. Hi, David. Hi, Nigel. Welcome to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, Rob. Hi Nigel. And welcome also to Spencer Debson. Hi Spencer. Good evening, Nigel. Listen, a game of two halves, Spencer. Let's just, let's just get the first half out of the way, please, first, if you wouldn't mind. Kind of how, how would you sum up that first half performance for City?
2: Well, gosh, that's a good one to start with, isn't it? It was We were completely misfiring, weren't we? We didn't look uh, on it at all. I don't really know what to say. Uh, we, we were aping some of our recent performances. I mean, I, I think that we've been two goals behind in four of our last six Premier League games, which is a bit of a statistic. We haven't lost any of them. We've actually won them all bar the Newcastle game in the end. But it's a curiosity, isn't it? That Somehow, the, the starting 11 uh, that we start with with these games um, doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't stay the distance, and we have to make changes at half time or shortly thereafter and change our formation a little bit. Um, and then the, the stirring uh, comeback, you know, it's like, like something from the, these old Westerns, isn't it? With the great, the great comeback. Um, we, we were just not working very well. Um, Haaland was a little bit wasteful, wasn't he? He had a couple of chances, um, the header that sort of flashed over. Um, hit the side netting with a with a was, was a was a decent effort in context but we just were not firing and we we're just not not cohesive at all um I, I i simply can't explain it i don't know if the others can
1: rob f- feeling of deja vu i think a bit rob and palace of course thinking back to last season
2: absolutely uh, what
0: what i noticed was i thought edison had a poor first half um, and he was responsible for for at least one of the goals. I thought KDB, who is a prince and who walks on water, didn't walk on water yesterday, and his passes kept showing him that he's human after all. And I thought that um, Walker had a poor first half, um, not really being aligned to to the role of of being in midfield. And Palace played very well, and um, City looked a bit sloppy. Which they can do from time to time.
1: It's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it, David? We, we've had the sloppy. We've we, we've had the fact that uh, Walker doesn't seem to have uh, this this inverted fullback doesn't seem to suit him particularly. He's had a couple of poor games, and of course that's uh, he's been outstanding for so many seasons. Um, your, your thoughts and reflections before we get on to the amazing second half. Anything else on the first half you can add?
3: I mean, I thought Stones was unlucky with the own goal; he just hit it, and so. I, I wouldn't really blame him for that. Um, yeah, we were just poor. It, it, but we've been poor many times last season. And even if we've not been behind, it's taken us to the second half. What I do think is Pep has been absolutely brilliant at his substitutions. In those four games when we've been down, he's done absolutely master strokes where we used to criticise his substitutions. He seems to be getting it right and he's done brilliantly this time. So... That that's a positive. So so just sticking with you, David, then,
1: so we're sitting there at half-time, 2-0 down. What, what what were your thoughts? Uh, and what do you think needed to happen at that point?
3: Well, my thoughts were probably similar to the Villa game, that how are we going to get through them? At 2-0 up, they're going to park the bus, like I thought Villa would. And I didn't know how we we're going to get through them. And this time, I thought we'd blown it. And I was getting... I was quite depressed at half-time because it's just not what we wanted. But... um There's always hope, isn't there? But on this occasion, I was quite surprised we came back that well. So um, it's a pleasant surprise this time.
1: So so let's start, David, if we can. We'll, we'll obviously come on to Haaland. I mean, most weeks he seems to dominate this show, but uh, for obvious reasons. But but that, that hat-trick was outstanding, of course. But let's start with Bernardo Silva, because I think whilst Haaland probably got man of the match in many people's eyes, what what an influence he had. And the tactical switch, of course, having him outright, of course, made a big difference. And uh, just what a player. And, and thank goodness he's staying.
3: Yeah. Um, well, I'll say two things. A, Silva was magnificent. Uh, and at last, actually, Foden managed to uh, do an assist for Holland. And I think basically when all those players get used to Holland, and they, he gets used to them and they all start to understand each other, you know, because let's face it, Holland's not really got going yet, in theory, has he? <laughs> because we haven't found him most of the times. I mean... How many times has uh, Foden failed to find him when he should have done? So I actually think that Silver was brilliant. He was my man of the match, actually. And um, I just think we were superb in that second half. I mean, some of the football was magnificent, some of the moves. So uh, as bad as we were in the first, we were brilliant in the second.
1: How much of an influence do you think Spencer Silver was? What what did you pick out from his particular performance? Again, as I keep saying, before we get on to Haaland, we can wax lyrical in a moment. Let's just stick with with Silver for a moment. And anybody else who caught you the eye?
2: Well, he was fantastic. Again, I agree with David. He was my man of the match, really, but I suppose you can't deny it when the cameras are there and someone scored a hat-trick. He was absolutely mesmeric in the second half. And it seems that we sometimes need to be going behind to actually wake up and, and 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 play the game that we know we can play but it's interesting because he's still the subject of transfer speculation i suppose we've got to sweat out the last couple of days and i suppose now he's staying and, and thank goodness for that uh but he, his his performance level over the last two years really there's been speculation has been uh high and he had had an absolutely fantastic second half uh, and i think he he set the tone and really sort of uh inspired everybody else in many ways because he was he was dancing rings wasn't he around the left back uh out there um and um first goal it was it was a solo effort wasn't it and i i thought we would score i thought we will inevitably score uh but i thought then um you know we might get caught on the break and we might end up losing the game but certainly he he start he he, he brought us back into the game and then as soon as we equalised, I thought, you know, I think everyone thought we're, we're going to win this because we were, I don't know what the possession stats were, but we must have been 75-80% possession uh, during that second half.
1: Uh, absolutely. Rob, what, what caught your eye in that in the second half? What, what turned it round for you? Well, first
0: of all, I think we're you're the referee, so I bow to your judgement, but I, I thought we were a little lucky not to be 3-0 down uh, at half-time, and that gave me encouragement because if it had happened the other way around, I would have been claiming that was a a legitimate goal. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that after the Aston Villa game, you you always think that there's a chance that uh, City are going to come back. And um, it was just fabulous. And what I like about Haaland is that after the game, when Foden congratulated him... on on scoring the goals, he replied, finally, you give me a pass. And, you know, this this, uh, guy is down to earth, but he's also not afraid to say what he thinks. And he scored three wonderful goals, all different, all illustrating the versatility that he has and that he's not an old-fashioned centre-forward of the old school. And playing with KDB and um, uh, Foden and, and Bernardo is just delicious for him. And so it was really not entirely unexpected, particularly when the first goal went in.
1: I mean we're obviously on to Haaland and, and I'm just thinking uh, Spencer from your point of view I mean that third goal in particular I mean he had Ward and Anderson kind of all over him so it wasn't a straightforward goal at all he had to deal with them and he still had plenty to do once he'd got past them as well to, to slip it past the keeper so uh, a fantastic hat trick and what an asset I mean how, how good is he Spencer?
2: Oh, he's amazing, isn't he? I mean, often we have such high expectations of something happening, don't we? And it was all there with Haaland. We've got this great expectation. It's being met, dare I say, met and exceeded at this stage. I mean, when he received that ball, brilliant. Wonderful pass from Gundogan, fantastic pass. But he had a lot to do there. He had the two central defenders around him. And I was actually discussing with my dear cousins, Mark and Jake in this very afternoon if Aguero had got the ball in that situation, would he have scored? And the conclusion was, well, he may well have done, but in a very different fashion to the way that Haaland does it. He's absolutely direct. He sort of, you know, sort of palmed, palmed one of the defenders off in a sort of semi uh, rugby union style uh you know trap the ball, it's on his left side, a short finish uh and I think there's very few strikers in the world that would 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 routinely convert from from receiving a ball in that fashion uh and uh, you know the moment he got that ball, I think there was only one outcome uh and it was absolutely sumptuous well world class finish.
1: David, Mark, and Jake are ke- keen to hear what you have to say as well. I'm sure. So delighted Spencer's been able to give him a mention. Perhaps you can sort of help help them understand a bit more about your view as well. Welcome to the show, Mark and Jake. By the way, always good to have you along every week. <laughs>
3: uh, I tell you what I found quite staggering is the speed of his feet. Because when Is you this
1: Mark, Mark, or Jake or Harland? you talk whose feet you're talking about? Harland's feet. Oh, Harland's feet. Sorry, so I thought we were back to Mark and Jake again. Sorry. No, no, uh,
3: no, Harland's. I think oh, the speed of those feet is what has surprised me more than anything. When you watch that third goal and you watch it from behind the goal in slow motion, they're quick. I mean, like lightning quick. And and that is what separates him out in those positions. Um, I think probably the, his weakest point seems to be he's not as prolific in the air as I thought it would be. But he's far better on the ground than I thought he might be, or he's certainly exceeding what I thought. It's, but I've been surprised he's not better in the air. But maybe that's just early days. I don't know. Maybe the crosses aren't coming in right. But that's, but you know, the guys. He hasn't even got going as I said. And when he gets going. Blimey. <laughs> when,
1: when, when you say he's not got going, he scored. He scored, David, six goals in four, no, that, four appearances. What, what, what do you expect from the bloke? How, how disappointing is. is that? You're a, you're a, you're a tough. Ch-
3: no, no, no. I'm being. That's inverted commas. Everyone said it would take him half a season to get going, and he won't get going. I said, well, he hasn't got going really yet because wait till the rest of our players find him more often. Because let's face it. How many times could, how many more goals? He could have scored two, three, four more goals had Foden and people like Foden actually made his passes count. So that's what I mean. We maybe as a team not go, going around him yet enough for him to be even more prolific.
1: Rob, I'm interested to hear from you about Haaland a bit more, because obviously you've been watching football slightly longer than the rest of us. Um, How good is he from your point of view?
0: Well, uh, he cost half of what Harry Kane would have cost. And uh, he's eight years younger. uh, He's right at the beginning of his career. And I haven't seen in Europe uh, a player of his equal as a striker At the moment and i think that is a fabulous acquisition for the future and for now and i think that it it just shows uh the value of waiting for the right person to come along not just paying a lot of money for somebody that could could uh fit the bill and it's the attitude that is really combined with the skill and the commitment you know this player um wants to be part of a successful team and wants to improve. And there's no sign of any arrogance whatsoever. And I think uh, he's the best acquisition that we've made for a very long time, perhaps since uh, signing David Silva or or Aguero. I mean, £50 million, Nigel, is not a lot of money. When Anthony Gordon is being... Uh, who, who's a very good player, but you know he's not in. He's not a world-class player. He's been uh, suggested that he's going to cost a lot more than that.
1: I'm keen to pick up on something you said earlier, Rob. As well, I've, I've got two incidents written down actually to to talk about. The first one was the rollout for Edison. Who who in my eyes, I think it should have been a free kick, because I don't think you can stand in front of keepers and stop them from distributing the ball that way, so for me, I probably would have given them the free kick either way. The other one, of course, was the uh, the high boot from Haaland as well, so they yeah. were kind of two that kind of were probably were just worth touching on as well, because City were quite critical of a certain Liverpool um, striker who sort of bared down on our goalkeeper with this, you could argue a similar incident and so on, and obviously he came off a bit worse. Uh, just your thoughts on, on, on both of those, Rob, you, you You've had a go already in terms of the, the rollout for feeling probably it sh- could or should have been a go. So where are you on, on those? Do Harlan got off lightly in terms of his high boot or fair enough? And, and what about the rollout? Where, how did you see that one?
0: Well, first, first of all, on, on the rollout, I, I bow to your professional judgment as a referee on that. So that's fine. But on, on the high boot, uh, I've looked at it quite quite a bit. and. Mane had both feet off the ground in, in his incident, whereas Haaland wasn't really in sight of uh, uh, the player who, who, who ducked his head. And I would have given a yellow card for that uh, and certainly not a red card. And it's very interesting to me that the manager of Crystal Palace didn't say anything critical at all. He left it to his uh, aggressive uh, chairman. Who said absolutely nothing about the disgraceful uh, arm in the face that Cancelo got from Ayu? So, if the chairman of Crystal Palace is going to make statements about uh, Haaland, uh, he should also uh, make statements about his own player who committed a great disgraceful act which wasn't punished at all.
1: Indeed, wasn't. Neither of them were punished, of course. So, Spencer, where are you on this one? Or these two, indeed.
2: Uh, well, I mean, the difference between the Mane and the Haaland is sort of like the player that's uh, that's administering the kick. To be honest, because he wasn't, it wasn't sort of a, a aggressive or reckless in 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 the context of Haaland and his stature. Uh, and it was definitely an attempt at the ball. Um, I could see it argued both ways, um, and the goalkeeper won. Um, I don't know what the actual rule is there. I, as I understand it, and correct me Nigel if I'm wrong, if the ball has left the goalkeeper's hands and there's then a momentary interception and it's just not in his hands at all, then then there's an argument that it's, it's OK. So I don't know whether that was the case here, but I think the fact that it was at home and it was City uh, and it was uh, arguable probably swayed the referee, to be honest. But again, funnily enough, I was reminded by uh, Mark and Jake that Andy Dibble... Had a, had, a, had a similar incident um, some years back, uh, and I believe a goal was given on that occasion.
1: Well, if you agree with Mark and Jake, let us know. Uh, we are, as you know, at, uh, on Twitter, City Podcast. Uh, Mark and Jake would like to hear from you. They're here every week, uh, and uh, I know they want to hear from you. Uh, David, uh, back to you in terms of Mark and Jake. No, sorry, back to you in terms of uh, Haaland and uh, the rollout from Edison. How, how do you see those two incidents yourself
3: before we hear from, before
1: we hear from Mark and Jake?
3: I think the rollout for medicine, he seemed to blow his whistle pretty quickly, didn't he? I mean, literally, um, and maybe that's an indication that he didn't think it left totally the hands. So it's very hard to say. I've not I'm not seeing enough of it to keep going through that. But I think it's a fifty-fifty. I think with the Harland incident, he's six foot five with the longest legs I've ever seen. And I think he generally went for the ball. Because he's got such long legs, he feels he could get there. I don't think there's any intent, and he's going for the ball. So, I think it's been quite harsh, even a yellow to me. So, you know. All right,
1: six six foot four, just to be clear. But 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 you know, an six inch.
3: five. I, six
1: I think he's six four. I think he's six four.
3: Grown by an inch in, uh, in the last ah. six months, apparently.
1: Okay, we'll ask Mark and Jake. They'll know. Um, listen. you... Uh, <laughs> Uh it what, what what does this mean for, for the season? We I suppose we, we could just mention Liverpool briefly. Uh we're, we're a few points ahead of them already. Um can we read anything into this so early in the season then, uh Spencer? This kind of city's title nailed on, some people are saying, you know, we can well, all all bets are off.
2: Not not nailed on, but it, it's it's been a curious set of results already, hasn't there, from the part of Liverpool, on the part of Chelsea, on the part of Man United. Dare I say it? Uh, so it's yet to sort of settle down into a pattern. Uh, but I feel really optimistic about about the way we've started the season because, as David said, you know we haven't sort of. Got going yet in the sense of sort of gelling. I mean, Alvarez has had very little uh, pitch time so far, and he looks fantastic. Uh, Cole Palmer looks fantastic. He's probably yeah. not going to get much pitch time, um, and there's and there's, there's others in the background. So I, I really you know, think that we'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely be right in the mix for the title this year. It's not going to be a runaway, I don't think. Uh, I think other teams will will also gel and, and improve. And, then, you know, Liverpool clearly will will recover and uh, uh, and be right up there. But I'm feeling, uh, you know, really optimistic, very excited, obviously, at Haaland's start. And the Champions League, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but we're about to start that one. So I'm starting to get excited about the, the Champions League.
1: Yeah, we'll come on to that, obviously. Rob, I'm just keen, I know it's ridiculously early in the season, but you've got to be encouraged, haven't you, by the start of some of the other big sides around us and, and the excellent start that we've made as well. It does bode well, doesn't it, for the season?
0: Well, it, it's fabulous. And the nice thing is that many of my international friends who, who watch the Premier League every week come in to me, they don't necessarily support City, but they say on the basis of what they've seen, we are the team to beat, however good the other teams are. And I think that's right. And that's very encouraging, uh, but a lot will depend on two things. One is uh, keeping injury-free. You know, Haaland has a reputation for not being able to sustain more than 30-odd games in a season, so we need an alternative to that, which Alvarez may be uh, the the person to do that and also the fixtures come very very close together before the World Cup and so the depth of the squad will be critical to sustain us through to the beginning of the World Cup but it's very exciting and I can't wait uh, for Wednesday night uh, I'm I'm already excited about that
1: And we'll come on to that as well, David. Just just briefly, in in terms of the season ahead, how how do you see it panning out? Bearing in mind the excellent start we've had and our local rivals around us not doing quite so well,
3: I think to me, I think our bench is stronger this year. I think our various to me is going to be exciting. Think I think Palmer looks really good. Like one said, I think the new left back could be. Um. I think he might be pretty good as well. I think he might be better than we think. Um, just, you just get a feeling he's, you know, if you look at what he did last year, he's he might be young, but he's not that young. So I just think we're quite strong now in every position. And where last year, who are the two players we moaned about every time on the WhatsApp group? Yeah, it would be either Jesus or Sterling. and They're not there. We haven't really got anyone to moan about now, have we? <laughs> I just think we've got a very strong side.
1: Sergio Gomez of course is the left back that you're referring to just to help you out there David and we're here to help um, and we've not we've not seen a lot of him of course but but any any thoughts any any anybody seen any signs of of anything they want to just pick up on in terms of Gomez
0: he's, he's a proper footballer he's not he's not a defending fullback with limited skills he's versatile and that's exactly the kind of player that Pet wants and needs for the system that he plays, so that's very exciting and very promising, and if he's good enough for Vincent Company, he's good enough for me.
1: Excellent um, listen, let's talk about the Champions League, uh, we know our group now of course, and um, just to remind people, I'm sure we all know, Sevilla FC Copenhagen and Borussia Dortmund, interestingly of course, um, your thoughts and reflections David, ahead, ahead of that group what, what, do, what do you think when, when that came out the hat?
3: Uh, I was pretty pleased with that I think it's as good as we're going to get It wasn't the group of death like they thought we might get uh, Yeah, I'm happy with that They're all teams we should beat um, And, you know, we, we enjoy We normally enjoy this stage of, of the Champions League, don't we? So we should be alright on that There's, We're not too worried
1: No concerns, Spencer? You're happy with that too? Well, i
2: mean yeah definitely uh, i mean it's fixer congestion isn't it that's the that there's is the concern um and also the fact that you know the injuries can play a part we are we are let in a lot more goals this year than we have in the last in the recent past so we, we do have to tighten up you know these are not champions league entrants for no reason at all they're all they're all decent teams uh, and particularly the homecoming uh with Dortmund which you imagine will be will be quite charred with Haaland going back there so I don't think we can uh relax too much uh but uh, but as David said I think we've uh, at the end of the day uh we should we should easily qualify from this group and we should be we should be top shouldn't we any thoughts, any insights
1: from any of these clubs, Rob? Uh, Copenhagen, Sevilla or, or Dortmund? Any, any thoughts ahead of ahead of these?
0: Well, uh, when we played Dortmund last time, what concerned me was that they had a player called Haaland who who I thought might, might cause problems. So I'm glad he's now on the other side. Uh, I think that uh, Seville should not be underestimated they're a very experienced European team they win a lot that will be a very difficult tie but considering who we avoided from group two that's pretty good and we should be able to dispatch Copenhagen providing that we don't become complacent and and uh, overconfident but it's a good draw
1: so back to the Premier League then, and it's already been indicated we we entertained Forest, of course, at the Etihad midweek on Wednesday night, uh, and as we've said, these games now I think pretty much all the way through we've got midweek weekend, midweek weekend, and it kind of starts now, uh, and then of course we go to Villa, who are struggling quite badly under Steven Gerrard. What a shame! Uh, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about Forest first. Uh, back in the Premier League after quite a long time away, uh, Rob, your your thoughts ahead? You must have seen some great Forest sides back in the day. European Cup winners of course you will remember.
0: Yes I remember Brian Clough uh, uh, and what a great manager he was for a time. I also went to Main Road once a very long time ago and City were three up against Nottingham Forest and uh, they they drew the game um, so you know uh, you, you, one always remembers that. What, what's interesting about Forest is they have a very good manager uh, a highly competent manager. He managed Foden in the England under 19s, was it or under 17s? He's no mug. He, he knows what to do. But he's bought 17 players uh, in the in the in the transfer window, which is more than anybody else. So they're they're a bit of an unknown quantity. And if we play to our uh, nearly best, and we should be able to beat them. But um, it's a bit of a mystery why he's bought
2: so many players.
1: Spencer, your, your thoughts ahead of the Forest game midweek?
2: Yeah, I mean, they've, they've uh, you know, they've got all these new players, haven't they? So, but I mean, Jesse Lingard, is, he's a match winner when, when he wants to be, isn't he? And apparently against Spurs the other day, uh, Forrest sort of were in many ways the better footballing team. Uh, they just sort of lacked that clinical, um, the, the finish. So uh, I don't see why there won't be a repeat of that or at home. Uh, I think we'll have far too much for them, but I think it'll be a footballing game. And uh, I mean, the one fantastic thing with with all the city games is is that for for any independent, which we are not, they are fantastic footballing spectacles. And so I think this will be, you know, another good, entertaining game. But I'm sure we'll win it.
1: And the big question, David, is kind of what's the rotation? Pep's going to go for. He's got another game, as I said, at the weekend. Uh, difficult to go into the game with the same starting eleven, I would imagine. He's going to ring the changes. Any any thoughts ahead of that?
3: Yeah, I'm sure I'd give a couple of people a bit of a rest. I think he's more concerned about the back and bedding those in. I mean, we do have to remember that we've been quite disjointed at the back since the end of last season with all those injuries. And none of those players are really properly match fit, are they, at the moment? Because they've all had those injuries. So I think maybe whether he puts in Gomez at the left, give him a go, Uh, I'm sure he'll change one in the middle at some point. But he likes to keep most of the same players, doesn't he? Isn't love switching it until like the second half? So um, I think a couple of changes maybe, and that's about it.
1: Rob, any thoughts? Is is us trying to second guess Pep? Of course, which is never an easy thing to do. Um, I know that Mark and Jake probably are better at it than us, and but but we'll leave that to them. But but your your thoughts, um, Rob, about that?
0: Yeah, I I I would play Gundogan uh, on on Wednesday. Every you know. he he, he's also having a purple patch of form he hasn't had uh enough game time he hasn't moaned about it and it might be uh an opportunity to give uh bernardo a rest i i uh i think uh I don't know about Grealish. What what is up with Grealish? Why is he not uh, injured? No, in, in the I,
1: squad. I, I believe I believe he's picked up a knock. Yeah, that's 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 the situation. Obviously, he wasn't in the squad for the last two games. So it's it, it's injury, I think, as as I understand it, as opposed to anything else. You think what some sort of conspiracy theory here? Then is the Rob? You thinking?
0: No, no, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, Nigel. That's uh, that's uh, not not for me. But I would like to see him play because uh, when he plays, he holds up the game, he annoys other players, uh, he concentrates people to come around him, and so he takes pressure off other players, and that's good. And I want to see more of Alvarez, uh, because every time he's come on, he he looks a really good player. And, uh, uh, you know, is is he a substitute for Haaland? Maybe not. I mean, maybe they can play together. And I I don't quite know the answer for Wednesday night, but uh, I would like to see him have more time.
1: And obviously, with Villa at the weekend, Spencer, uh, it would be good to have Grealish back, I suppose, or, or not, uh, as the case may be. I was actually talking to a Villa fan today, and of course, as we know, they they fall into two very distinct categories: they those that will applaud and cheer their their own lad who's who's gone off to earn himself lots of money that he deserves, which this guy just happened to be in that category, versus those for some reason want to boo Grealish and and give him a hard time. Uh, your thoughts ahead of that Villa game? Great time to play Villa, potentially, of course, struggling. City on hitting a bit of form. Uh, we, it could be quite a, a good opportunity, I guess, at the weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean they've lost three of the first four, haven't they? They're clearly, clearly, clearly down after that last defeat, um, and you know they've all got good players. I mean, you know, uh, Ings, uh, Ollie Watkins on their day, but I think that uh, we will catch them at a weak point, and I think I think we'll overpower them. I think that I'm, I'm hoping that Alvarez plays because uh, I think we need uh, two number nines on the pitch because we all we all like a 99, don't we? And uh, mm. I, think, I think let's give them a little bit of a a bit, bit bit of
1: run time at the weekend. David, play them both, Haaland and Alvarez, you, you're a fan of that?
3: Um, you could Yeah, I mean, he play Alvarez on the right, wouldn't he? So, that would be quite interesting and give Bernardo a rest. But then, you know, I do agree, Gundogan, I think, should be playing. So, a bit hard to second guess. What I would say is that I think, you know, we, we think it's a great time to play Villa, but I think Liverpool thought it was a good time to play Man United and that didn't go so well, did it? So, <laughs> You just don't know, dear. I mean, it'd be our luck. they turn good on the one day when they're supposed to not be good.
1: Uh, Rob, your thoughts then finally ahead of the Villa game at the weekend?
0: Well, I, I, think, uh, I think we're going to win. Uh, I think it's going to be a passionate game. I think we have too much for Aston Villa and I greatly look forward to seeing the game.
1: Excellent. Can I say a huge thanks to my three guests, to David Blakeney, to Spencer Debson, and to Rob Barron, CTID? This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk yeah. to you all very soon.
0: If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sport Social Podcast Network.